0: When I was away at college in Minnesota, there were many days where I longed to be home, especially when it was negative 20 degrees outside. I longed to be home. So I missed my home state of Maryland. I missed my family. I missed my neighborhood. I missed the house that I grew up in. I loved that house. Well, one day when I was at school, I got a phone call from my mom. And she was very excited to tell me that, uh, that they sold the house. I didn't even know that that was the plan. <laughs> and I'll tell you what I told my mom, which is that I was very sad that they sold that house. And it was hard for me because I'm sentimental. So it was hard for me because, as I told my mom, I wish I could have seen the house one last time and all this sort of stuff. But after a while, I realized it really didn't matter because... Between changing schools the next few years, moving to different apartments and things like that, it was a while before I was ever in one place long enough to feel at home again. And maybe some of you have had that feeling before where you longed for home. Maybe it's because you traveled for a while, you went away, you went on vacation. And then after a while, you start looking forward to returning home. And home means different things to different people, but home is that place where we know we can be be at rest. There's comfort there. It's where we feel like we belong. And regardless of how you feel about your home, as Christians, we should all long for our future heavenly home. We talk about heaven all the time as Christians, but we should ask ourselves, do we actually long for it? Do we really look forward to being there? I mean, we should. Is the place where we are ultimately going to find rest. It's where we belong as God's people, in his presence. And when we talk about heaven as Christians, we're not talking about a state of the mind, as some people think of it. No, no, no. Heaven is a real place. It is where God dwells. Heaven is where the souls of God's people go after this life. It's where his angels stand in his presence. And the Bible says that as followers of Jesus Christ, we're already citizens of heaven. Paul said... It is better by far to be in the presence of the Lord than anything in this life. The author of Hebrews said, we're foreigners in this world just waiting to get to our far better home. So again, Christians, we should should long for it. This morning, we're going to return to our sermon series. It's been a couple weeks since we've been in it together. Our sermon series is titled, Why It Matters. We're taking a look at different truths and topics that we believe or talk about as Christians, and just really asking, why does this matter for me as a follower of Jesus Christ? And today we're going to talk about why heaven matters. So we're going to begin together in John chapter 14. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn there. If you don't have a Bible, I'd encourage you to still follow along. You can find a Bible under the chairs in front of you. I want everybody to know we're going to be going through various passages. A lot of different passages we're going to be jumping around So I'd encourage you to follow along as best you can, and whether you're following along in your Bible or on the screens, write these references down today, so that when you go home, you can look at them, study them, meditate on them, pour into them, all right? Again, why heaven matters. And Truthfully, I almost didn't preach on this today, because I thought it was kind of an interesting thing to even say. I mean, I knew I was... Going to be preaching to Christians primarily, and, and we know that heaven matters, right? I mean, we might not always think of why it does, but certainly we know that it must. But then I started doing some research, and I found some disturbing facts. Earlier this year, Pew Research released a study, and in that study, they found that among professing Christians in India, only 64% of them said that they believe that there is a heaven. In 2017, a different study was done in Germany, and among professing Christians in that study, less than 50% said that they believe that there's life after death. The rest said there either wasn't anything or they weren't sure. In 2014, a study was done among Americans who professed to be Christians, and it was a little over 80% said that they believe in heaven. So, while the numbers vary, it was still shocking to me that Anyone who claims to be a Christian would doubt the reality of heaven. So this morning I decided that it would be good for us to look at this. To look at why it's so important that we hold the truth of our future home close to our hearts. Why it is that heaven matters. There are a lot of reasons, but we're going to look at three of them together this morning. So let's start in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Jesus is speaking, and this is what we find He said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Here, Jesus was talking with his disciples on the night that he was going to be betrayed and then handed over to be crucified. Not only was Jesus going to leave his disciples when he died, but then after he powerfully rose from the dead, he was only going to be with them a short number of days before he ascended to heaven. And in the midst of everything that was about to happen, Jesus brings them good news. Jesus was going to return to the Father, which meant he was returning to heaven. But Jesus wasn't abandoning the disciples far from it. No, he was going to return to the Father in order to prepare a place For his followers. Why? He said it's so that we could be where he is. Jesus is making some things very clear that I don't want us to miss. Things like the fact that heaven exists. Jesus talked about it on multiple occasions. It's where Jesus is right now. If there is no heaven, then Jesus is not preparing a place for us where the Father is. And Jesus would be a liar. Yet we can be confident that our sinless Savior is indeed in heaven preparing a place for us believers. But there's something else that I want us to see in John chapter 14. I don't want us to miss this. It's that God wants us to be with him. God wants us to be with him. You want to know one of the reasons why heaven matters? It's because the reality of heaven points to the love of God for us. If hell points to God's righteousness, his holiness, and his justice, which we will see next week, by the way, then heaven reveals his love. God wants us to be with Him forever. So much so that our Lord is preparing an eternal place for us with Him. That's because of love. Listen to what some other passages of Scripture say. Consider 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3-4. through 4. So two of my favorite verses in Scripture, it says this, This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So 1 Timothy tells us that God desires that all people would be saved. They would come to him in faith and enter his presence in heaven one day. Why? Because he loves us. 2 Peter 3.9 puts it this way. Peter said, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God doesn't desire that anyone would perish in hell. Rather, in his great love for us, he patiently waits so that many could repent and turn to him in faith. Why? So that they could spend an eternity with him. And I don't know about you, but it is unfathomable to me that the all-powerful God of the universe should desire for us to be with him, to be in his presence and in his glory. I want us to think about that. After all, have you ever had one of those moments where you were in prayer and you felt so unworthy being in prayer that you even thought to yourself that maybe God didn't want you in prayer? Have you ever felt that way? Feel like God doesn't really want me in his presence? Yet the Bible says that not only does God want his people to come to him in prayer, but that he wants us in his presence forever. Only love can explain that fact. After all, isn't that what we find in that most famous verse, John 3.16, which tells us, For God so loved the world, that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. When we talk about John 3.16, we often focus on the Father's love in sending Jesus, as we should. But God's love didn't end at the cross. No, Jesus died on the cross so that through faith we could be saved from sin and hell and have eternal life. And in heaven we step into that eternal life. And it's all because God loved the world so much that he sent his son. Heaven reveals much about God and about his love for us. And every moment that we spend in heaven one day will be a reminder of his love be a reminder of his grace in giving us salvation, a reminder of his mercy that we are there rather than standing in the judgment we deserve for sin, believers. Heaven matters. It reveals God's love. In fact, God's love is not only what saved us Christians, but it is the reason that he created mankind in the first place. Let's remember that God didn't create the world. He didn't create all of us humans because he was bored. He didn't create us because he needed us for anything. Now, he chose to create us because he wanted to love on us and bless us. And the Bible tells us that when God created, his creation was was very good. In fact, listen to how things were described at that time. In Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to begin in verse 16. This is when that creation was still very good. Genesis 2.16 says this. And the Lord God commanded the man, that was Adam. The Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. I just wanted to get us a, a glimpse into that original creation, because when, when God created... Things were perfect. There was no toil, no trouble, no sorrow, no death. There was harmony. Mankind had a purpose to fulfill. Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with one another. There was no shame. More than that, they had this untainted and uninhibited relationship with God. God provided for them. He cared for them. Genesis chapter 3 indicates that God walked in the garden with them. In other words, they experienced and enjoyed His very presence. This, this is what we were created for. But then sin came. And with it came shame. Human relationships, they became these fragile things, easily broken. A harmony disappeared. That relationship with God was severed. We became separated from Him. Mankind was cast out of the garden and out of God's presence. Even nature itself fell into decay and turmoil. These are all the things that we see now. Now sin and death and pain, they spread like this continual wildfire over all creation. Yet something within us as people longs for something more. And that's why mankind is in this never-ending quest to create utopia, to perfect our planet or to search for some other planet to inhabit, not realizing that our sinful hearts are the problem. And they're going to follow us wherever we go in this life. And remember, many people think that this life is all that there is. That all we have is this brief life in a broken world, and then after that, when life's over, there's just nothing. We just fade away into oblivion. As I mentioned at the beginning, apparently many who claim to be Christians, they've begun to believe this too. Sadly, this is because people don't grasp the depth of God's love or the height of His power or the immensity of His goodness. God's perfect creation was damaged by our sin, but though we failed, God has not. Which means that there must be something more. Paul points to that when he was writing to the Roman Christians in Romans chapter 8. What Paul says about this corruption that has come because of sin and, and what God has in store. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 18. He said, This. He said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. grown inwardly, as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. What Paul is saying here is that just as nature groans in its decaying and corrupted state, so too we groan in these failing bodies of flesh that we have. And we long to be set free from this, set free from the turmoil that sin has brought, longing to return to what once was, to what God created us for. But here's the thing, if that, that freedom were not possible, if we could not return to that, if we could never achieve it, then... This really would be a hopeless state that we're in. If we could never enter into what it is that God created us for, then if that was the case, then God did fail. And if that's the case, then God couldn't be the good and all-powerful God of Scripture that we are told that He is. So the good news is that that freedom is available through faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul reminds us as Christians that our redemption is near. As Christians, we were redeemed or set free spiritually when we came to faith in Jesus. We were set free from the spiritual chains and shackles of sin. We were released from the penalty of hell that was on our account. But while we are spiritually a new creation in Jesus Christ, we still live in these broken vessels, these bodies of flesh. Therefore, we still have a sin nature to contend with. And we groan, longing to be free of these And that freedom from these bodies and from that sin nature, that happens when this life is over. As Christians, our hope isn't in creating some utopia on earth, but rather our hope is in entering the perfection of God's presence at the end of this life. In heaven, we will finally be free from that sin nature. We will finally be free from this corruption that is in the world. Heaven is the next step in that glorious redemption that we've received from Jesus Christ. Heaven matters, then, because it is part of our redemption. It's the promise of returning to what we were originally created for, a relationship with God and his presence, harmony with one another, and a peace and joy without turmoil. In heaven, we'll no longer groan because of the pain of this life. And God made a way for us to be redeemed. And because of that, listen to what we were told in Revelation 21. Because this, believers, is what awaits us in eternity. When we step into that redemption, Revelation 21, beginning in verse 1, we're told this. John said, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. There's a reason that as people we innately long for something better. It's because we were made for something greater. And right now in this life we have these imperfect relationships with each other. We we struggle with our sin nature. We face pains of all kinds in this world. But as Christians we look to heaven. We look forward to our future redemption that we desperately need and long for. Our souls are already redeemed for those of us who have come to Jesus Christ in faith. And one day, too, our physical bodies will be fully redeemed in eternity, just like creation will be. But how can our souls be redeemed without the promise of heaven? That wouldn't even make sense. Without heaven, there is no redemption of the soul. That's the very nature of them being redeemed, set free from the penalty of hell and bound for the presence of the Lord. So we're redeemed already in one sense, believers. Our souls are going to head for the presence of the Lord after this life. But in the fuller sense, we're going to receive that redemption when we receive a new body after this life and the resurrection. Paul referred to our redemption in Romans chapter 8, we read earlier, as the hope which we were saved. Paul talked about that hope elsewhere too, and I want us to see it at the very beginning of his letter to Titus, Titus chapter 1, verse 1, this is what it says, it says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Heaven matters because it reveals God's love. Heaven matters because it's part of our redemption. And heaven matters because it is the hope of our faith. Now, I've said this in previous sermons here at First Baptist Church of Oxford, and I always want us to remember this, that when the Bible talks about our hope as believers, this is not some fingers-crossed wish that we have. No, no, no. It is a confident assurance. It is our eager expectation that God will fulfill the word that He has spoken Because as Paul tells us here in Titus chapter 1, God promised these things and our God does not lie. So we're fixed on this hope that one day we who believe in Jesus will be in his presence for all eternity. And that's what Jesus has guaranteed us when we came to faith in him. And it's not because of our righteousness, it's because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins and powerfully rose from the dead. And because he is alive, we know that we too will one day live forever with him after this life. And that eternal life, when we are in the presence of the Lord, is our future hope. Heaven matters because it's the hope, it's the guarantee of God's people. To say that you believe in the God of Scripture, but not in heaven, that's quite a strange thing to me. Because the God of Scripture has said without reservation that you will be with Him at the end of this life, believer. We don't enter into some sort of soul sleep when we die, that we don't go into oblivion, we don't face annihilation or anything like that. I can understand why the world might think that, why people in, in all these various religions believe that, why atheists would think that. But remember, we are not like those who have no hope. No, we have the greatest hope because of our great God. Believers, without heaven, we would have no reason to have any joy in this life. Without heaven, we should, like the rest of this world, go on mourning that all that there is for us is a brief life in this broken place. Instead, we can rejoice knowing that what we were created for, a relationship with God and His presence, harmony with one another, and continual peace and joy, that these things are the very destiny that God has for everyone who's come to Jesus Christ in faith. See, our God is He hasn't failed. No, rather, he's made a way to him despite our failure. And in the joy of these truths, we should look forward to the hope of our faith. We should look forward to that day when we'll step into his presence. Believers, heaven matters because it reveals much about the character and love of God for us. Heaven matters because it's a part of our redemption. Heaven matters because it is the great hope of our salvation. And in light of these truths, I would encourage you to remember this, that the reality of heaven means that we can have unwavering joy as we live in the midst of this broken world. The reality of heaven means we can have unwavering joy as we live in the midst of this broken world. Not just joy on Thanksgiving week. Joy every day. But in that joy, believers, let's not become lazy or selfish. Instead, let's choose to be bright lights in a dark world, a world full of people wandering in that spiritual darkness that we once found ourselves in too. It's true that heaven matters and that is where God desires that all people would be, but God has also told us that not all people will be there. In fact, Jesus said that many people are not headed for heaven. They're headed for separation from Him and hell because they haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's because they choose to remain in their sin. And it means that we have a lot of people to share some good news with, believers. Maybe for some of us that's going to be this week as we sit at that Thanksgiving table with unsaved family or friends. May to be in our interactions this week at work or at school or wherever we go. But in our joy of salvation, let's choose to To share with others the good news that God wants them to be with Him forever. If you're joining us today and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, please understand that the Bible is very clear. There is a heaven and there is a hell. The Bible is also very clear that there is only one way to heaven. I know that there are many people out there preaching that there are lots of ways you could get there, many things you could believe, or it's as long as you're a good person, if you give enough, if you attend church enough. But the Bible does not say that. Jesus did not say that. We began today in John chapter 14, and just a few verses after what we read, Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you are here and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, please understand that you're still separated from God. And if you do not give your life to Jesus Christ, if you do not put your faith in him, then when this brief life ends, you will be separated forever from God in a place called hell. And understand, that's not what God wants for you. God proved that he doesn't want that for you when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. And Jesus died on the cross to take your penalty and mine for all our sin, took all the wrath we deserve, and then powerfully rose from the dead. And right now, Jesus is standing in heaven waiting to forgive you of all your sins and to save your soul so that one day you can be with him forever. And if you've never made that decision, We want to give you the opportunity to do that before you leave. Would you pray with me? Friend, if you know that's where you're at, you know Jesus Christ isn't your Savior, you know you're separated from Him, but you're finally ready for that to all be over, please know that that can happen right now. No matter where you are in life, right now where you're seated, you can give your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no one way that you must say it. But if you would like, you could follow me in a simple prayer like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I've done bad things. I've broken your commands. And I know my sins are separating me from you. But I know that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you didn't stay in the grave, but that you rose from the dead. And Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sins, to be my Savior. I'm ready to receive that eternal life that you promise. Today I'm giving you my life because I know you can do more with it than I can. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there is anyone here who made that decision, that before they leave, they would share that with someone so we could rejoice with them. I pray if there's anyone here who hasn't made that decision, but they're still wondering or they have questions, they would come and find me after the service. They would come and find me during this final invitation song because they don't need to go through life not knowing. Father, for those of us who have made that decision, who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, help us to be the most joyful and grateful people this world has ever seen. And in that joy and in that thanksgiving, Help us to eagerly look to share the gospel message with someone. Today, tomorrow, every day this week, and every day moving forward. Give us a burden for the gospel. Because your word says that you desire that people would be saved. So that should be our desire too. I pray that it would be. I pray that we'd be faithful to share the good news of the gospel. That we'd be bold. Father, as always, we pray that you would be pleased and honored. Glorified by everything we say and do here and in our lives. Father, we love you. But heaven is a good reminder that you love us so much more. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.